So what the Bible's telling us here, what God is speaking to us about how he speaks is that he didn't just speak once at the initiation of creation, but rather God is speaking into us by saying that God is powerfully and undeniably speaking through his creation. Ready? Ready? God is speaking through his creation every single day and every single night. Well, good day, friends, and welcome back to Live in the Light. We're thankful that you have joined us in the middle of our series we're calling God Speaks. We're looking at the great truths of who this God is that we love and worship in the depths of Psalm 19. Let me ask you this question before we begin, though. Have you ever taken a minute, just a moment, to stop and to look at the miraculous intricacies of a flower blooming in your garden, or maybe even a shell that you pick up on the beach? Well, if you haven't, you need to. Listen, in today, in Psalm 19, we're going to hear how the evidence adds up that God pours out his love to us in his creation every single day. So I hope you're prepared to be overwhelmed today. Let's get our Bibles at the ready and go to Psalm 19 and sense again how God is speaking in creation. Here again is our teacher, Pastor Robbie Simons. And if we're going to stand and we're going to hold God account for something we don't think that he, I mean, just be very, his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. He is that massive and that glorious and that awesome. He's so much greater than we can, we can ever even begin to scratch the surface upon. And the heavens declare the glory of God. You see David here full of faith and wonder and worship. That's why he cried it out. The sky above proclaims his handiwork. It's the heavens, loved ones, that declare there's a God and he deserves all glory. The heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. So let's be, let's be really clear, loved ones. Ready? God has spoken. There is no denying it. God has spoken. But we move on in our text now and we see this. He has spoken number two or point one A or point one I, whatever you want to say it. He continues to speak. So the main point is God has spoken, but now we find out, but he continues to speak. Look at verse two. Verse two says, David says, day to day pours out speech and night to night reveals knowledge. So what the Bible's telling us here, what God is speaking to us about how he speaks is that he didn't just speak once at the initiation of creation, but rather God is speaking into us by saying that God is powerfully and undeniably speaking through his creation. Ready? Ready? God is speaking through his creation every single day and every single night. Day-to-day pours out speech and night-to-night reveals knowledge. So how glorious is it? And I couldn't be more serious. How glorious is it that God Almighty is pouring out speech. He is preaching sermons every day through his creation and every night through the nighttime sky. He's revealing knowledge. He's communicating to his creation all the time. This is what God is doing. So the question becomes though, are we hearing his voice? 
are we receiving his wisdom? Because again, it's not a matter if he's talking. He says he is all the time, every day, every night, undeniably shouting out his glory. The question is, are we listening? Are we watching? Now, if you know me well, you'll know that I love nature. I love nature videos. I love contemplating on the aspects that that comes out a lot sometimes in my preaching. And I'm learning why from Psalm 19. Because I'm learning that, well, at least I could argue biblically now, that the reason I'm attracted to these things is because ultimately I'm attracted to the glory of my God. So this past month took time to do certain things. And sometimes you plan it, sometimes it just happens. But I took time to watch ants. You're kind of just sitting there, you know, maybe have a popsicle in your mind. You look on the ground and you're like, look at those guys. One ant's carrying like 10, 10 times, maybe 100 times his weight. That's incredible. The way they're so organized, working back and forth in this community of incredible productivity and hard work and efficiency. And just like, how does that happen? How do these? And 10,000 species of ants, remember? And there's one species, full at work. Seemingly without rest, all together on that. That's incredible. It's shedding glory. I took time to watch um, a porcupine, saw a porcupine. You know, porcupines have like all these spikes all over their back or quills or whatever. You know, it's amazing to me. Like, what kind of animal does that? But there it is, kind of walking funny across the path and jetting all these things. And it's amazing. I took time to watch a awe-inspiring thunderstorm. A couple weeks ago, I'm sure most of you were cognizant of that one the clouds roll in the darkness the wind the lightning the thunder do you actually um i was at my um in-laws a place up north and uh our place was actually struck by lightning and light came shooting out from under the fridge (laughs) and the thunder hit right above us it was so loud i thought the whole the whole place was going to cave in talk about jumping God's sending a message. I'm pretty big. You know what I'm saying? It's awe-inspiring. It's, it's glory thundering. I took time to look at the landscape of granite rocks. Incredibly beautiful. Took time to catch a fish and to look at how this fish was made. You know they can breathe underwater? It's crazy cool. It's amazing. Took time to watch sunrises and sunsets and took time to see the stars in the sky. Really, what's happening here? Took time to see the glory of God. I took time to take in a couple of God's sermons and they're awesome. God preached a sermon to me yesterday. He's in my backyard, came home. A couple of plants were there. They were looking pretty dead. This week we started watering them again, maybe a little bit obsessively, but started watering them. You know what happened? They've come back to life. Like they're blooming flowers again. And you know what? You know what God's saying to me? That's a metaphor for this life, the glory of God. There he is producing life. He's the one who's doing that. Light from the sun, water, and the earth, and these flowers begin to bloom in the radiance and the glory that is shouting. There's a God through the smallest of things to the biggest of things. The heavens declare the glory of God and he continues to speak every single day. Because he's revealing his glory. But loved ones, you like me, you will never get to verse two and first you first get to verse one. And how do you get to verse one? 
Shut down the computer, man, for a few minutes. Turn off the TV for a few minutes. Stop talking about nothing for a few minutes. Stop wasting your time on blah, 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 blah. And look around and hear the sermons of God shouting out at you today and tonight. When you woke up this morning, the sun rolls again. What? Shouting the glory of God. And the sun will shine today, shouting the glory of God. And you will be surrounded by infinite examples of things all around you, all declaring the glory of God. Birds that are singing and ants that are moving and animals that are walking and trees that are standing and flowers that are blooming, all declaring and speaking to you that there's one God and he is awesome. See, every single day God is speaking And continues to speak, but he's not just speaking a little bit. We learn in verse two, and this is the next point. He's pouring it out. I mean, he's preaching and he's pouring it out. In verse two, it says, day to day pours out speech. James Boyce describes this literally in the Hebrew. It's a strong phrase. It's a gushing spring that is copiously pouring forth the sweet, refreshing waters of revelation. So God's not just giving a drop here and a drop there. God is drenching, drenching this earth, the human race with communication of his glory every day and every night. The infinite works of glory spoken every day, every night. God is not stingy in this. He's pouring it out. Are we noticing? Are we watching? And we see this here because he's not stingy. Every single human ever is receiving God's messages. But the point is, is are they listening? This takes us to our next point. So he's pouring it out. Point one C, he's, his voice is heard by all. His voice is heard by all. So look at verse three now. Verse three says, there is no speech nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their measuring line goes out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. So what these verses are saying is, although there may not be an audible voice heard, the Bible's telling us, make no mistake about it. This message is being sent to all the earth. All the words are being sent to the end, to the end of the world. So this is where Psalm 19 becomes another expression of Romans chapter one. And what it's saying here is there's no one who can stand before God. No one ever who can stand before God and say, you didn't give me enough evidence. No one can stand before God and say, I have an excuse because of the blatant revelation of God undeniably seen through all of creation. No one has an excuse. God has spoken so dramatically and so clearly through creation. No one can stand before him and say, you didn't give me enough to know. Why? Because God's glory through creation translates to every single language available to every person's heart. And that's why the clarity of Romans 1 then is so important as we read Psalm 19. So keep a finger in Psalm 19. And turn with me to Romans 1. Most of you know this. Some of you maybe don't. Uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. Turn to Romans chapter 1. I'm going to keep a finger in Psalm 19. We'll come right back to it. But just, I, I want to read this for you so you can be enlightened to what God is saying about this very important issue. His speaking, his communicating, his awesome nature. Romans 1, uh, verse 18 
And think about how this relates to Psalm 19. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness, Romans 1.18, and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness, this is so key, suppress the truth. Okay, so notice here, suppress the truth is you fight against it. You fight against, you keep it down. You try to get it, get rid of it, suppressing the truth. Notice it's not saying they don't know the truth. Rather, it seems to be suggesting knowing the truth, they suppress it. They know the truth is there, but they fight against the truth. Verse 19, for what can be known about God is plain to them. So that reinforces what I just said then. Because God has shown it to them. So it's not that they don't see. Everyone sees. It's been plain. It's been made clear. God has shown it. And here's more explanation. Verse 20, for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. You see, so, so what Romans 1 is saying here, the divinity of God is abundantly and undeniably clear through the creation of the world because only a divine being could create such majesty. And the end result here is, so they are without excuse. Every person who has ever lived is ultimately without Excuse because of the evidence of God and his divine nature through his invisible attributes seen in the creation of the world. Verse 21, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. So no one has an excuse because the evidence of God is so overwhelming. I read this this week. I just want to share with you a guy named Joe Cruz. He wrote on um, the irony of the faith of unbelievers because everyone has some kind of faith, right? He said this, he says, how strange it is that so many of those who wrestle with these mysteries um, regarding the formation of the world How many of those who wrestle with the mysteries do not recognize the creative power that produced them? Even though many naturalists stand in awe of the creature, few seem to recognize and honor the creator. Uh, Breathing the marvelous blend of nitrogen and oxygen that makes it possible for them to live, evolutionists refuse to acknowledge that the precise 79% to 21% mixture of gases was provided by something other than blind chance. Looking through eyes so delicately arranged, as we heard today, that no combination of scientific genius can ever, can even understand, much less duplicate their operation. Unbelievers deny the miracle which makes it possible for them to see. Uh, Through ears which connect to a brain more complex than the largest computer on earth, doubters listen to lectures on humanism and evolution. Who are these people who score on the record of God's creative power? They are only a tiny fragment of finite humanity whose very existence, breath by breath, depends on the operation of laws laws over which they have no control. Rejecting the divine origin of that for which they find no empirical evidence. This is good here. Many scientists ascribe miraculous qualities to matter itself. They build up theoretical creeds in which they place absolute faith, even to the point of believing that blind, unintelligent nature created life out of non-life. When you look at it from that point of view, more faith to believe that 
Life came from non-life and to believe that there's a God who has designed it all. Now, we live in a day where faith in these subjects of creation, the design of a one true God, we live in a day we will be laughed at for this. We will be ridiculed often. We are attacked viciously often because we simply hold to the idea of a designer from a one true God. But I say, loved ones, don't lose heart because the Bible predicts this is going to happen to us. So don't, you're, you're, you're a student right now entering university. You're in a workplace where some things come up, whatever. Wherever he's going to be, if you're going to stand for the Lord, we stand that he is the one who's created these things. You will be taken to task. You will be persecuted on some level because of this. But I want to remind you, and I get encouraged by this too, the Bible says this is going to happen. See, the problem, the biggest problem is with people who reject the argument of God creating the world is this. The moment they have to admit design is the moment they have to admit designer. And the moment they have to admit designer is the moment they have to admit they have been designed. And the moment they have to admit that they have been designed, they have to admit that there is a God. And the moment they have to admit that there is a God is the moment they have to admit that they are not God. See, this issue, it really, the heart of the issue comes down to the human heart. The human heart on its own rejects Jesus Christ and rejects God because ultimately in our evil state, we want to be God. And we don't want any other God telling us who we should be. And so we fight against him in anything we give leading to a designer called God. That's a pathway to our own demise. And so sadly and ironically, the very fight against this God is the fight against the love that will save them forever from death and hell through his son, Jesus Christ. But that's how dark the human heart is, which again, the Bible promises it will be. So we will be made to be to feel foolish. We will be laughed at. You will feel dumb at times the way people treat you and you will be hurt in this way. But always remember the taking courage. Psalm, I read it this morning, Psalm 14, verse one. Uh, the foolish person says in his heart, there is no God. The Bible says the real fool is the one who says in his heart, there is no God. And one day very soon, one day very soon, Jesus Christ will come in all his glory. And who's going to look foolish then? Not us, man. Not us. We love the lost. We care for, we preach to, we seek to share truth, but we will be attacked at the same time because of our faith and what we believe. So God help us in that. I say that to you. I want you to not lose heart. I want you, if it's one against 10, that you will stand and you will know that God's on your team and God never loses and God will take you to victory. The fool says in his heart, there is no God, but the wise person knows there is a God and loves him and gives her life to him. So let's be clear. Let's be clear. Here's the truth. God has spoken. He continues to speak. He's pouring it out. His voice is heard by all. It's heard by all. And here's our last point. It's this. His message is undeniable. The message of the Lord through creation is undeniable. Verse four. Verse four says this. Their measuring line goes out through all the earth, their worlds to the end of the world. And it says this. In them, he has set a tent for the sun. So now David talks about the sun which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, like a strong man runs its course with joy. It's rising us from the end of the heavens and it's circuit to the end of them. And there is nothing hidden from its heat. So notice this. Here's the sun as an example of God speaking, which is really good for us because we happen to see the sun every single day. And notice what David says about the sun. It's the sun that uses, this is beautiful poetic imagery here. 
The sun uses the sky to retreat on like a tent. And we know that the earth is rotating and the sun is not. But the Bible speaks the same way we do. We say sunrise, sunset. And he's saying here how the sun appears to use the sky as a tent to which to retreat into each night. It's beautiful. I love it. He says it's the sun that comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber. Interesting metaphor there, isn't it? Ever seen a bridegroom on his wedding day? It's pretty fired up, man. You know what I'm saying? He's excited. I've seen lots of them. And a bridegroom is so richly attired, so carefully prepared. That's our son every day. Every day, our son bursting forth, coming out, shouting the glory of God, declaring God's sermon for this day again, radiating and shining. And you feel the heat of the sun. It's a bridegroom leaving his chamber. And it says here, it's like a strong man that runs its course with joy. A strong man running is like a champion sprinter, leaping out and running with joy. That's our son, loved ones. That's our sun every single day right now shining upon this building. As you walk out of this building, as you feel the sun, that's God speaking to you through his creation. And the sun's doing with joy and do it again and do it again and do it again. For the glory that God is getting, his message is undeniable. In verse six, it says, there's nowhere that the sun will not reach. There's nowhere that can hide from the power of the sun. It says, and there's nothing hidden from its heat. You see, loved ones, loved ones, listen, listen. Tomorrow, as the sun rises, again, today, as you walk out, be aware of what God is saying. He is speaking to you. He is speaking to you through all that's around us. He's speaking to you now. He's speaking to you tonight. He's speaking to you tomorrow morning. As you wake up and you see the sunrise, choose, choose, choose to receive God's sermon. As you go to bed tonight, choose to look and to take just a couple of seconds maybe and choose to hear what God is saying to you again and let that, listen, I'm never, I'm never saying we are to worship the sun. I'm never saying we are to worship creation. I'm saying let God's speech in creation cause us to worship him more. That's what's being said here. In verse six, it says, there's nothing hidden from its heat. What that means is no corner of the earth can hide from the power of the sun. No person on earth can hide from the voice of God through the sun, through creation. Every day, every day, we are feeling the voice of God through the power of the sun. So when you're out, maybe today for a walk in the garden, maybe you're sitting down for a few moments, letting the sun radiate your face. What's happening? You're in conversation with God. Remember that. Some people in here, you love sun tanning. Well, then you're really talking to God, right? And remember, this is just remember, the, it's, it's the simplicity and yet profundity of our God. The things that we forget all the time, that's God's message to you. But notice this, and this is what's so beautiful about God's word. I love, you cannot exhaust God's word. The S-U-N sun ultimately is shining for the glory of the Father, ultimately shining for the glory of the S-O-N sun. All of creation ultimately points from God's glory, which is ultimately revealed in God's son. 
Jesus Christ, the word of God became flesh. We have seen his glory. So it's the sun every day that rises. That's ultimately when you see the sun and you recognize the immensity, the majesty, the glory that it's shouting out. You don't say, well, there's a hot sun. I worship that as many civilizations have done. You say there must be a God behind this amazing creation. And I want to know him. And the way you know him is through his son, Jesus Christ, whom he sent as the sunrise upon this earth. When he came 2000 years ago to live and breathe among us and to die for us, to rise again from the dead, that we might be saved. You see, you see, you see, everything comes down to Jesus Christ. And there are passages in scripture who blend S-U-N son with S-O-N son. It's beautiful. Malachi four, verse two. But for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness shall rise. Check that out right there. Son of God and the physical son right in one. The son of righteousness shall rise with healing in his wings. And when you receive the gospel of Jesus Christ and you recognize there is a God and you, and you want to know him, then you see Jesus Christ. You go out leaping like a calf from its stall. You are bounding with the light and joy because I have been saved. I am now in relationship with this God who created this infinite universe. He loves me and I love him. I will never die. You you jump like a, a little cow. That's pretty exciting. And then Luke 1, Luke 1, the prophecy of Zechariah, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high. There it is again. The physical sun pointing to the son of God, Jesus Christ. And why did Jesus Christ come as a sunrise to give light to those who sit in darkness? I mean, okay, so, so tomorrow morning you see the sunrise. It, it, it's all dark. It's getting darker right now. Boo, 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 okay? But, but when, you, when you see the sunrise, that means more of us will see the sunrise now. When you see the sunrise, the spiritual part of that is it's a metaphor for how Jesus Christ became the sun to shine in darkness. And when Jesus Christ was sent to Bethlehem and the reasons the angels rejoice. Wow, I just love the Lord so much. I think well, I get overwhelmed right now as I'm talking about this. I just, I can't believe his love for us. It's so awesome. When Jesus Christ comes at Christmas time, man, light shines upon this dark world. It's a sunrise coming up. And he comes and he comes to bring hope and to healing. And just as Luke 1 said, for those who trust in him, believe in him, they will know eternal life. So it's, it's the S-U-N that ultimately points to the S-O-N. Awesome. That's how God speaks. To see there is a God, I must know him. I know him through his son, Jesus Christ. I know him through his son, Jesus Christ. You know, it was a man named Philip Brooks who had the first occasion to speak to or to communicate with Helen Keller about God. And uh, Helen Keller, of course, was both deaf and blind. And when he was communicating to her about God, she responded with this. She said, um, she said, I always knew there was a God. I just didn't know what his name was. His name is Jesus Christ. And you're here today. and Maybe you've walked in here for reasons you do not know. And you sat here down here today. And the Lord is birthing faith in you. And for the first time you sat upon and you thought about yourself now in perspective to this entire universe. And maybe for you, you're sitting there and you're saying this couldn't have happened by chance. There is no way that my eye can function as it is. And all the things around me and ants could be so unified and all the million of examples. We can go on and on. And you're sitting here today and you say, there must be a God. Say, I want to know this God. Then you need to know his son, Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ came to die for you. You see, because we have sinned. 
And in his love, Jesus Christ came to die that our sins might be forgiven. You know that you've sinned. I know that I have sinned. I sinned every day. That's why I need a savior from my sin. See, it's the creation that's pointing you to the savior and the savior that has come to love you, to die for you, to heal you forever. What you can do today, if you are here and God is moving in your heart, you can say, Jesus Christ, I admit that I'm a sinner. I believe in you. I believe in you. I believe you died for my sins. I confess you as Lord and Savior. I admit I'm a sinner and need of a Savior. I confess you as best you can. You call out to him. You say, Jesus Christ, save my life. Jesus Christ, come and heal me. Jesus Christ, come be Lord of my life. And then you will walk out of this place and you will never see the sun in the same way again. That's the point of God's glory. Those loved ones, the heavens declare the glory of God. The sky above proclaims his handiwork. Well, amen. Thankful for Pastor Robbie's message today. God is good, isn't he, listeners? Uh, we hope that this series and this message in particular is encouraging you as you continue on in your life following Jesus Christ. But we want you to be aware that there are other messages and other series that we pray would be an encouragement to you as well. And if you'd love to check those out, please make sure you visit us online at liveinthelight.ca. Thanks for joining us today. We hope to see you again next time at Live in the Light. I wanna